0: Hi, this is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, Lesson 163, Three Paradoxes of Time. Today I'm going to be talking about something really interesting that I learned from the Derek Simmers website. He reads a lot of different books, and he takes notes on them. This particular book that he took notes on is called The Time Paradox by Philip Zimbardo and John Boyd. The subtitle is called The New Psychology of Time That Will Change Your Life. What I've noticed in these times after about seven months of the COVID pandemic is that a lot of us feel anxious and threatened and unsure of the future. It's made us think in the present and it's difficult to focus or plan for the future. It's changed our perception of time. When we feel threatened or anxious, We live into a misperception of time itself, and it's good to check our biases when it comes to perspectives on time because it'll alter our understanding of the past, and it'll change our actions as we move forward. Really can change the course of our entire lives. So there's three paradoxes that come from this book. I think are really helpful, really timely, and I hope that you get a lot out of this episode. The show notes for this episode will be free and they will be at patreon.com forward slash spark for soul school lesson 163 SSL 163 and I really hope you'll go over and check out everything that's available at patreon.com forward slash spark because that is really where all of the energy is that isn't part of the audio for this show for this program. When I'm thinking up new things or coming up with things, I don't post anything on my website anymore, which used to be a blog. From about 2006 or seven up until 2015, I was strictly a blogger and a writer. And in 2015, I dedicated all my time to becoming a podcaster because it took so much time. And I also saved some of my best things for my actual writing and getting a book contract. And then some of my things that i do end up posting are now posted on the patreon support page and when you follow my work and support it you get a lot of exclusive material that's there so paradox one time is one of the most powerful influences on our thoughts feelings and actions yet we are usually totally unaware of the effect of time in our lives paradox two each specific attitude toward time or time perspective is associated with numerous benefits, yet in excess, each is associated with even greater costs. So all of us have a propensity to be past-focused, present-focused, or future-focused. We can all tweak those things and move to different perspectives, especially with awareness. Some of us think along the lines of, it was better in the good old days, or remember what it was like back then? Why can't we go back to the way things used to be? And some of us enjoy living in the now. We enjoy being in touch with our senses. We enjoy food. We enjoy pleasure and being where we are. Of course, that's living, isn't it? If we are continually in that mode, we can't mine the past for lessons and we don't do very well with preparing for our future or making any great impacts for others. In the future, future generations, our children, our grandchildren, and others that may come along after us. Living in just the present is a little more self satisfying and not other focused. Paradox three is individual attitudes towards time are learned through personal experience, yet, collectively, attitudes towards time influence national destinies. What's interesting, too, about how we perceive time has a lot to do with our actual climate. People who live in temperate zones have to prepare for growing seasons and have to last through harsher seasons. This was more true in in agricultural times when you needed to grow your own food. You would have to prepare in advance to live through the winter and to make it. So future planning was very important. People who live in tropical settings and climates have a very long growing seasons and things can grow all year round to eat. So they tend to live more in the present because it's sort of a paradise all year round, weather-wise. What is the need to plan the future if you're going to have everything you need? You're not going to go through a time where there's going to be three feet of snow and nothing growing. These tendencies for perspective on time develop according to our cultural but environmental settings. We create time perspective biases people tend to focus more of their thinking either on the past, the present, or the future, and this creates specific ideas and perceptions of time. So we can learn to be aware of our tendencies and move back and forth to all three perspectives, depending on what we're trying to accomplish. A study showed that 90% of students were told they were late and had to rush across campus, did not stop to help a homeless person, even though they were being tested on compassion. They were future-oriented in their mindset. A need to be compassionate was right in front of them. It was actually the goal of the class, but they couldn't see it because their mind and their time was future-oriented. It was seeing past who was right in front of them. Future-oriented people tend to be more successful professionally and academically. They tend to eat better, to exercise regularly more often, and to schedule preventative doctor's exams but they are least likely to help others in need. There's definitely benefits, but there's certainly drawbacks too. When you may be from a faster paced time setting, a cultural setting, that couldn't make you overlook people right in front of you who need your help. You may be able to get various degrees and claim and awards and credentials, but maybe you're not helpful in a practical sense. And this is specifically due to your understanding and your perception of time. Now, present-oriented people tend to be willing to help others. They're right there in front of them. And because these people are living right in the present, they're aware of the needs around them. And this is backed up too by the meditation studies of people who do meditation for two weeks and then are confronted with a person in need. They are much more readily available and aware to help them when they need help. It slows them down from being fast-paced and future-oriented and oblivious to what's in front of them to notice what's happening. They're also more likely to engage in risky behavior, things like gambling, drugs, alcohol, and risky sexual behavior. They're not as likely to get preventative checkups because they're living in the moment and they might have more health problems. They're less likely to make business investments, or be successful in business, or education, or anything that takes a prolonged effort. Because living in the present with a present mindset and perspective doesn't give you the advantages of seeing long-term and making all the plans and goals actionable for what it takes, and the effort it takes to move towards those down the line. So sometimes we attribute these perceptions of time to actual cultures and people groups, when it is in fact just a perception of time difference. And these things can be learned and picked up and adjusted for. What happens when we do too much past thinking? We can be stuck and miserable. Instead of thinking that those are areas where we can Mind for lessons learned and be grateful. Sometimes we get stuck in thinking that we're trapped in our bad circumstances or that things never really work out for us or that things have always been bad and we've always had the short end of the stick. But what about right now? People may also attribute negative bias that sustains a negative outlook when they tend to accept blame for failure and disown success thinking that they didn't create it personally. A past-looking person can sustain a negative outlook. When the past looks negative, it will affect negatively the present and therefore the future. If your past can be recast positively, you will begin to see that your present can be recast positively, which therefore makes your future more likely to become positive and have different outcomes. These are all perceptual things that can change depending on where the focus of our attention goes. If we consider ourselves fortunate or grateful or lucky, instead of disadvantaged, unlucky, or victimized, we can live out different futures. What becomes really apparent are that across the world, women who get an education create different futures for their children because those children see modeled in their mothers the persistence and the effort and the delayed gratification that it takes to get an education, and they form role models for their children. Where women get an education around the world, they also can create businesses and facilitate a future-thinking kind of mind frame that teaches that to their children as well. Other aspects in life that create future-thinking, mind frames automatically our stability. If your family is stable or you can create some stability in your family, the atmosphere will create a future thinking possibility for the children in that home. Instability will keep us in present thinking and negative present thinking, which creates a negative future and a fatalistic type of future thinking. Recovering from an illness is something that many people who are good at future thinking, and it really impacted the world, are people who have recovered from a childhood illness or had to beat the odds and get over an injury or something like that, where they had to persist through something. They had to make plans for recovery. These people developed a very future thinking, planning mindset, even if their culture, even if they were an outlier in their culture or their climate, They developed a different sort of thinking that could give them an advantage. Using technology and getting an education are also things that help us get out of just a present mindset and into a future planning mindset. Our ideas about our own agency make a huge difference in our sense of time regarding past, present, and future. If we are past-centered in our time perspective, mostly noticing the past, thinking about the past, reliving the past, and it has a negative, a mainly negative sense to it, where we relive past wounds, hurts, failures, we are locked into a stagnation. When we feel depressed, this really rears its head. When we are depressed, we are often stuck in a past mindset. That's not to say that there couldn't be chemical issues involved. But what happens is when people are interviewed who are depressed, they are usually bringing some of the past and experiencing it in the present because those wounds don't have a time frame. They exist now. So that means we will perceive time as elongated, as things being as they have always been, and they feel very unchangeable, intractable. If your past has been quite negative, or if your present feels like it's going to be negative for a long time, your hope may dissipate. One of the things I ran into when I worked with prisoners in the federal prison is that they would often have either no hope or quite a bit of hope. And sometimes they had a fatalistic hope, which meant, well, things are horrible right now and unjust and unfair, and I'm locked away here for maybe the rest of my life, but one day in heaven, things will be fine. And I remember thinking to myself how wasteful this seemed, because they had maybe decades to go in jail. And it wasn't wasted time. They could still graduate from high school, get college courses in, they could learn trades, and 95% of them would be able to leave. But for many of them, they just felt warehoused there. When we feel very stuck, for instance, in a literal prison or even a figurative prison, we can lose hope because our sense of time perception has been very skewed. In the times of slavery in the United States, Slaves often hoped to be free or free in heaven one day, and this hope wasn't always just some far-off hope of one day in heaven, but it was actionable hope. It was hope that could be lived out in real time. Spiritual leaders of that time encouraged people to not wait to have joy, but to have it now. This is what accounts for some of the very lively, joyous church services, singing, clapping, dancing. These weren't church services of doom and gloom, solemn faces. These are rapturous, ecstatic, spiritual celebrations, and that's because those were places of hope. Not just hope in the sweet by-and-by, but hope now. Freedom that came in the change of mind, being free in the sense of knowing that no one can control how you respond to a situation but you. For those of us who hope in heaven one day, it's very important to remember that we bring heaven to earth. We must allow people to conceive of possible futures here and now. Otherwise, we can get an intractable hopelessness. And people act in hopeless ways when they feel no hope. They act in ways consistent with their perspective and they cannot envision a better future. And this is why you have very destructive things happening like riots that destroy property and suicides and violence for the sake of violence out of anger, frustration, and fear. Fear gives us bad judgment and it makes us misperceive time and mismanage our living It makes us forget about the consequences of our actions because we don't have a good sense of the future and of how time progresses into the future. When we're hijacked by fear and stuck in the past or present, when things have become very negative, we can become violent and take great and very unnecessary risks when we're caught in what has been a negative past that is now a negative present. And a lot of times when we do this, we don't think two or three generations ahead. We don't plan about it and it doesn't even enter our mind. The only thing we can think of is right here and right now. We can barely think about next week, difficulty, much difficulty thinking of next year. And certainly it's difficult to think a few generations down the line. Apparently the Iroquois natives of America were were said to have thought seven generations ahead when they made negotiations. And they said they had to have very thick skin, as thick as a pine tree, and had to be brave when making decisions because they were trying to think seven generations ahead, not for themselves, for the future of the whole land, but for the future of their children's, 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 children, so on. Do we ever think seven generations ahead? I can safely say I have not once thought seven generations ahead. Three at the most. But what if we did think seven generations ahead? Would that alter any of our actions now? That is a Native American way of thinking, an Iroquois way of thinking. Perhaps we could learn something there. Another present oriented time zone can be called a holistic present. And this is very interesting to me. It involves training to live one's life in the present moment and to include the past and the future as an expanded state of focus on the present, that way it's included, it's part of the present. Our ability to cast our time consciously in a positive light is a good indicator and one of the best indicators of psychological and emotional health. You can actually reinterpret and rewrite your personal past that you begin to remember better and differently. Every time you engage with the past, you alter it a little and you add extra emotion that you're feeling in the present to your memory of the past. You tweak that memory just a little bit and you tweak it with the emotions, the chemicals that you impose on that memory when you do that. So why not reinterpret and rewrite your personal past with some gratitude chemicals and some reinterpretive chemicals that find some gems from the past because it gives you a greater control over your future and your present. Something that really struck me in these notes of how we think and feel today influences how we remember yesterday. I'm going to say it again. How we think and feel today influences how we remember yesterday. So, our present influences our past, and our past influences our future. When we think future-oriented, we can get into these creative flow periods. And if you're a creative person, you've probably experienced this before. Perhaps you're deeply involved in a project or playing a piece of music or sports game, and you're so involved in your project and your creative thinking and you're planning that you lose your self-consciousness and you have a distorted sense of time. You might forget what time it is. And the activity is intrinsically rewarding. And so there's sort of an effortless kind of action going on. You're totally absorbed in your work. That's called creative flow. And when you're future oriented, that can take hold and you can get a lot of work done. But you're actually not where you are at all. You're caught deeply into your work and you're not living in the present moment. It's fine to do it, but it also takes you out of the moment that you're in. Future-oriented people can have their relationships suffer because people don't feel the presence of you there with them. So those are some perspectives on time and how they alter our perceptions of reality, our perceptions of relationships, our perceptions of fate, our perceptions of agency, goals, what's possible in changing our world, our understanding of hopelessness, it's really, really good to question how we view time. Realize that we're going to view time differently depending on whether we're coming at it from a past time perspective, a present time perspective, or a future-oriented perspective. That can shift momentarily, or we can get stuck in one or the other. Why not disrupt the possible rut you're in perspective and see what you can come up with? If you look up The Time Paradox by Philip Zimbardo on his site, you can take a test to see where you fall in your perspective of time, past, present, or future. But if you look up the show notes today at patreon.com forward slash for this episode, Soul School Lesson 163, there'll be links to, to Derek Sivers' notes and to the answer to this question. Robert Levine studied 36 American cities, and he recorded those cities by walking speed bank teller speed, talking speed, and the frequency at which watches were worn. He found the slowest and the fastest cities. The fastest cities were on the East Coast, not too much of a surprise there. New York Minute, we've all heard about. People walk fast, they talk fast, and there's an urgency. They're the least helpful. The fastest cities are the least helpful to people. And the slow cities are the cities that are most helpful to people, but there is one city that is the slowest and the least helpful. Can you guess which city it is? The answer will be in the show notes at patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse for SSL 163. You can also go to sparkmymuse.com and sign up for the newsletter. I send it out about once a month, and there's some very exciting things coming up in the next few months. If you enjoyed this episode, please pass it on to someone else or give it a review on iTunes. See you next week.